We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to the financial physician. We get together every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. on the West Coast. We talk money, we talk markets, we talk politics. And why politics? Because nothing affects your money or markets more than what's happening in Washington, D.C. And, you know, Washington, D.C. has been in the news quite a bit lately uh, with all the scandals that have been coming out of this current administration. And, and the more I think about it, I don't think scandal is the right word to use. I mean, a scandal is when uh, Bill Clinton has a, a dalliance uh, with an intern. That may be a scandal. Uh, scandals are something like that. Somebody cheating on their wife. But what's happening now in Washington it goes beyond scandal. I think scandal trivializes uh, what's happening. It's really criminal conspiracy is what's happening in Washington right now. Or you can call it a uh, socialist or Marxist takeover of the government. I mean, that's really what's going on here. And what's happening in Washington with the so, quote unquote, scandals are really crimes where people need to go to jail. Everybody, anybody who's involved in this really needs to go to jail because what they're doing is subverting the American system. Whether it's um, the IRS taking on political enemies so blatantly. I mean, when uh, an administration would go after somebody utilizing the IRS, and I was one person usually. And it was really hard to show a pattern here. But what's happening with the Tea Party groups and uh, any conservative organization uh, that's trying to get 501c4 status and, and, and they're just dragged on for years and not allowed that, uh, that status, which affects politics, which affects elections, the ability to raise money and influence the electorate. Uh, and they just killed them. I mean, they just did not act on them. And they asked them the most amazing questions uh, that were totally inappropriate and illegal who their donors are, what their political affiliations are. Uh, it's just amazing what, what that scandal, quote-unquote scandal alone, uh, would be enough to bring down a presidency if it was a Republican one. 
But here we have the Benghazi issue. We're being totally lied to on that every single day. We have the IRS issue. We have the snooping on the media in this country, the Associated Press and Fox News that we know of. Uh, and then lastly, uh, what's the last? Oh, the NSA, where we have the NSA. Again, uh, it comes out through a leak uh, that they're watching everything we do. Monitoring our phone calls, looking at our internet traffic, reading our blogs. And, and it, it's, it's gotten out of control. I was thinking just a little while ago, I was thinking about it. If you went to bed uh, prior to 9-11-2001 and you woke up today, you would be amazed at the changes that have happened to our country and to our liberties and to our privacy. And it is Orwellian. And that's the word that's being used now, is Orwellian. I mentioned on this program that, that this, is, this is 1984, the book by George Orwell, which everybody must read. Because you'll think it was written in today's times. Now, George Orwell wrote this about 19, supposedly the year 1984. He was off by about 30 years. It's really 2013, 2012, 2010, whatever it is, is when the real Orwellian society came about. And, you know, uh, I mentioned it a couple of weeks back on my, on my blog and on this radio show that everybody needs to read George Orwell's 1984. And many people are doing that. One of the big beneficiaries of this NSA leak uh, is Eric Arthur Blair. He's the English Democratic Socialist who wrote as George Orwell. That was his pen name. And uh, Amazon's sale of, of 1984 uh, have skyrocketed. Up over 6,000% uh, uh, by Tuesday morning. And it had an original sales rank of 12507 in the days before uh, The Guardian published top-secret government documents provided by Edward Snowden. Uh, 1984 has risen to crack Amazon's top 200 right now. So people are out there buying this book. Because many people like myself are out there saying this is George Orwell's 1984. Uh, also selling well right now is the sister book to 1984, uh, Animal Farm. Also, the same type of thing, uh, but utilizing uh, animals on a farm to show the socialist uh, society at that time. So people are out there buying 1984 like it's crazy. And uh, the book's got, obviously, a lot of free advertising as you know, people are saying this is Orwellian, this is 1984. And uh, President Obama even alluded to 1984 on Friday when he spoke in defense of his policies. This was his quote. In the abstract, you can complain about Big Brother and how this is a potential program run amok. But when you actually look at the details, then I think we've struck the right balance. Boy, I trust that the president's striking the right balance. And Big Brother is um, uh, 1984. The, in that society, the, the ruling party's leader was known as Big Brother. And uh, the whole idea of 1984 is that thoughts are a crime. And Big Brother is watching you. And that you have to stay tight to the political orthodoxy of the time. And you can't be uh, certainly a dissident in any kind, any way, shape, or form. So the novel was written 60 years ago. 60 years ago, this past June 6th. 
And if you remember back 30 years ago, uh, the book 1984 inspired a, a very controversial and well-remembered ad that, that Apple ran. It was very, one of the most successful advertisements Apple ever ran. And it was a Super Bowl spot. It was directed by Ridley Scott, and it likened the Macintosh computer to a rebellious heroine resisting slavish conformity. And it showed uh, the big picture of Big Brother, you know, in the movie theater and so forth. It, it was really an interesting commercial. And uh, But again, this is the thing that people are really worried about is government trying to control everything in your life. So not only did uh, President Obama allude to George Orwell's 1984, Janet Napolitano, the Homeland Security Secretary, also known as Big Sis, uh, denied the existence of, quote, unquote, an Orwellian state. Homeland Security um, Secretary Janet Napolitano weighed in on the NSA intelligent leaks on Friday, telling uh, New York One that fears over government surveillance were overblown. I think people have gotten the idea that there's an Orwellian state out there that somehow we're op operating in. That's far from the case, she told Errol Lewis during an appearance on Road to City Hall. Despite civil liberties advocates' fears that monitoring efforts have gone too far, quote, there are lots of protections built into the system, unquote, Mrs. Napolitano said, pointing to a privacy office embedded in her own department that is constantly reviewing our policies and procedures. And she further stressed uh, the court review system. Now, if you believe that, well, I got a bridge to tell you. Sell you. Quote, no one should believe that we are simply going willy-nilly and using any kind of data that we can gather. And again, trust us. That's what they're basically telling us. Trust us. Trust Big Brother. I think we need to do a better job of explaining to the American people exactly what is kept, what are the real restrictions on how. I'm just uh, talking now for the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, how we use it, how long we can keep it, how we share it, and all those things. Okay, she's so talking about one department. But what about the National Security Agency? What can they do with that information? And uh, Napolitano uh, added that striking the right balance between security and civil liberties is always a challenge. We're constantly struggling, she said. It's not easy because technology has increased so much. These balances between security and privacy and other values. So again, uh, we have two higher-ups in this administration, the President and the Secretary of Homeland Security, mentioning George Orwell's 1984. Coincidence? I don't know. So what was 1984 all about? You know, I went to Wikipedia. You know, it's amazing. There's 27 pages on, on uh, 1984. And you know, many of the terms in the book are being used today. Big Brother. Big Brother is watching you. That comes from the book 1984. And Big Brother was able to watch you in a lot of different ways. Cameras everywhere. But through your television set. It was two-way. The television set would spy on you and would hear everything that you say in your house and it would spew propaganda 24-7. And uh, let's talk about some of the things in this book and see if it strikes a chord with you if this is what's happening here. Now, Big Brother is uh, – nobody knows if this is – in the book, you don't know if it's a real person or it's just the party in general. And there's posters all over the place of a guy looking down at you and it says, Big Brother is watching you. And that's done to intimidate people to toe the party line. And it's three different classes. 
There's the upper class, the inner party, the elite ruling minority, very few people. There's the middle class, which is known as the outer party. But 85% of the people in the lower class, the proles or the proletariat, uh, if, if you will. And this represents the, the uneducated working class, which is 85% of the people. And as the government, the party controls the population with four ministries. The first one is the Ministry of Peace, which deals with war. There's unending war in the book 1984. But again, black is white and white is black, and that's the whole idea, and that's what you see now. They say one thing, but they mean another. The Ministry of Plenty, which deals with economic affairs, like rationing and starvation. Do you see the irony of these names of these? Um, just like the Department of Homeland Security. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't feel very secure. When I think of it, Homeland Security, I think of the Gestapo. The Ministry of Love, which deals with law and order and torture. The Ministry of Truth, which deals with propaganda. News, entertainment, education, art. And it's anything but truth. So again, it's black is white, white is black. And that's the whole idea, is that it's propaganda. And the story's about the guy who... Um, who uh, works for one of the departments. I think it's the Ministry of Truth. He changes history and rewrites things. And uh, But he hates the party. But there's nothing he can do about it. He goes into a little more detail here in Wikipedia about these different ministries. Uh, the Ministry of Peace supports Oceanus, that's the name of the area, perpetual war. The prime, primary aim of modern warfare is to use up the products of the machine without raising the general standard of living. Ever since the end of the 19th century, the problem of what to do with the surplus of consumption goods has been latent in industrial society. At present, when few human beings have enough to eat, this problem is obviously not urgent, and it might ha not have become so, even if no artificial processes of destruction had been at work. The Ministry of Plenty. The Ministry of Plenty rations and controls food, goods, and domestic production. Every fiscal quarter, the mini plenty, mini plenty, which it's known as, publishes false claims of having raised the standard of living when it has, in fact, reduced rations, availability, and production. The mini truth substantiates the mini plenty claims by revising historical records to report numbers supporting the current increased rations. And this is similar to uh, economic reports that come out of the government. Those reports that come out, that stuff uh, is not true, and it's totally manufactured, totally messed around with to support the government's claims that things are getting better. All right, it's time for a break. If you want to call the phone number, uh, the phone number is 866-472-5788. You're listening to Financial Physician right here on the Variety Channel on voiceamerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. 
Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. All right, we're going to get on to some financial issues. I just want to clean up uh, uh, the rest of what we were talking about before the break, which is the book 1984, whose sales are soaring on Amazon.com as people are starting to wake up to the fact that we are living in an Orwellian world, named after um, the author of 1984, George Orwell. And uh, that, that, that term is now part of our lexicon, uh, Big Brother and Orwellian. And it's important that people know what Orwellian means because we're living in an Orwellian society. And we are the proof that we are is the fact that on Friday, both the president and the Secretary of Homeland Security came out and mentioned George Orwell in the book 1984. The president said, oh, some people think this is Big Brother watching you. And then uh, Janet Napolitano came out and said that this is not an Orwellian world. So the fact that they had to say it tells me that that's exactly what's going on. And uh, so we uh, spent some time talking about what the book 1984 is all about. And it's black as white, white as black. The Ministry of Truth is actually propaganda. And let's think about it. The mainstream media is the Ministry of Truth, right? They decide what you hear and what is reported. And it's common knowledge that the mainstream media leans uh, Democrat, leans liberal, and will report the things that are important for their agenda and not report news that is harmful to their agenda. And you know that, but just looking at look at the difference when uh, George Bush was president, George W. Bush, how the media treated him, the articles that were in the newspapers in the New York Times, the stories that were reported on in MSNBC and CNN, and now with this president, even with all these quote unquote scandals that are going on, they don't dig deep, they don't report it, they bury it. This Benghazi thing, this, if this happened on George Bush's watch, he would have resigned already. They would have been all over this. 
but that's not helpful to their man. So they use uh, the, the Ministry of Truth will tell you what the ruling party that they're aligned with wants you to know. And we're hearing now that the president has these off-the-record secret meetings with the mainstream media. To tell them what? To tell them how to report the news to you and what you should know? And if you get your information, mainly from the mainstream news, you're not getting all the facts. You have to go to alternative media. Talk radio, Fox, blogs, because that's the only place you're going to see things being reported that are, quote-unquote, the truth. So in the book, 1984, there's a term called doublethink. There's a term called newspeak. Let's talk about doublethink. The key word here is black-white. He uses the term black-white in the book. Like so many newspeak words, this word has two mutual contradictory meanings. Applied to an opponent, it means the habit of uh, impudently claiming that black is white. In contradiction of the plain facts. Applied to a party member, it means a loyal willingness to say that black is white when party discipline demands this. But it means also the ability to believe that black is white, and more, to know that black is white, and to forget that one has ever believed the contrary. This demands a continuous alteration of the past, made possible by the system of thought, which really embraces all the rest, and which is known in Newspeak, uh, Newspeak as doublethink. Doublethink is basically the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Wow. That's called, I guess, propaganda to the nth power. Propaganda to the nth power. But we do live in that state, and we don't know how much surveillance we have uh, on each one of us. And I mentioned last week, think about it. Spend a day and just think about how many times a record of what you're doing that day has been recorded. Every website you visit, every email you send, every phone call you make is now kept somewhere or listened to or read. And again, how do we know? Just because the government says, trust us, well, we only use this when uh, we're, we're, we're going after terrorists. Sure. We already know the IRS has gone against political opponents of this administration. So how can you trust that information like this would not be used against you? Say you're a vocal opponent of the administration. And they say, okay, you get a phone call and you say, you know, I hear you out there. Uh, you're um, writing articles, negative on this administration. Uh, but I just want to let you know that uh, we've seen that, you know, over the last year or so, you've gone on, got a hundred porn websites do you really like porn how do you think your your employer would know that um a number of times you've gone on his computer when you were at work and you went to a porn site how would your wife feel if she knew that you're going on gay porn sites do you see how this information can be used and i'm using this just as an example there's other things that people do on the internet, it doesn't have to be pornography, whatever, that is embarrassing or it's uh, could be embarrassing to their employer, could cause problems in their relationships. And these people could be leveraged with something as simple as that. And that's just one example of how information can be used against you. Also, everywhere you go in the public now, 
you're pretty much being photographed. You're being photographed at uh, red light cameras to see if you go through a red light, you know, when it's turning, when it turns yellow to red and you get caught so they can mail you a ticket. So they know exactly the intersection you were in at exactly what time. How about easy pass for tolls? Every time you go through a toll booth and record an easy pass, that record's somewhere. So your whereabouts are known almost exactly and almost to the minute. You got a cell phone? You got it on? You're being tracked. Or you can be tracked. That cell phone is uh, triangulating towers. They know exactly where you are at all times. You walk into a parking lot at a store, you're on a camera. You walk in the store, you're on a camera. It used to just be banks. You walk in a bank, and it's understandable. You walk into a bank to have a camera on in case you robbed the bank. In the parking lots, in the stores, virtually everywhere. And now people have surveillance you know, around their own houses, looking at the street and so forth. Now, granted, uh, it's good in a way. It's good in a way that, like, take the bombing in, in Boston. It was a private camera on one of the stores there uh, that caught... Um, evidence that, that, that caught the people that did it. So in that case, you know, it was a good thing. If somebody uh, crashes into your car in the parking lot, yeah, you know, you go to the camera and you can see who did it, you know, and possibly get a license plate number and, you know. These things, I understand why these things are done. But just realize, you know, what the what price you're paying for that. And they say, well, geez, if you have nothing to hide, you don't have to worry. And that's a very lame excuse. Very lame excuse. If you have nothing to hide, you you could have your right of unreasonable search and seizure uh, forfeited. If you have nothing to hide, and that's what people like to say. I still want my liberty. I still want my freedom. I still want my privacy, whether or not I have anything to hide or not. So everywhere you go, realize and watch. Try to be try to be mindful of it. One day. And think about how many times you're on a camera during the day. It'll blow your mind if you ever really knew. Because a lot of times you don't even know this camera's on us. You walk around in any major city here in the United States, take New York. You are on camera almost all the time. This camera's almost on every block. NYPD cameras. So they can see everywhere you go. What if you're having an affair? Here's another way they could blackmail you. What if you're having an affair? And the government has your emails to this person. The government also knows when you've been to this person's house because your cell phone has arrived there. There's a video of you walking into the building. There's a video, most likely, and a picture of you holding hands with this person, walking into a restaurant or a hotel. And now all of a sudden, you're, uh, the government has a problem with you. And somebody calls you and says, you know what, uh, we're aware that you're having an affair. We've got the pictures. We've got your whereabouts. Uh, we've got video. And um, we're going to release this. I think your wife would really like to know about this. Unless you do us a favor. Stop going on TV and talking negatively about this government. Stop writing articles on your blog. And in many cases, it would work. Because a person don't want to lose their marriage. Don't want to be found out. 
So, and that's just another example. I mean, there's so many examples of this, that the government has this information can use it against you. Now, maybe they're not using it now. But we don't know how long they hold that information. Are they waiting for the right time? Are they waiting for when there's a takeover of this country that anybody who opposes them, all this information then will be used against them? Again, this is, this is the price that we pay under the guise of security. And I don't buy that for a minute. Terrorism is being exploited to take away our freedoms. Terrorism is rare in the United States. We've only had a couple of instances of real terrorism in the United States since 9-11. Now, the, the people who are for a police state and a surveillance state will say, well, maybe that's because of all the surveillance we've done. And I say that's bull. With all the surveillance that's done, didn't stop the Fort Hood shooter. Didn't stop the Boston bombers. So you can't say that we need it for our national security. And that's the problem. Since 9-11, 9-11 has been exploited by both the Bush administration and the Obama administration to take more and more of our freedoms away. The Patriot Act and now all these clandestine NSA searches. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. More and more is going to come out on this. And I think people are going to be outraged. As a matter of fact, I'm surprised at how many people are willing to just accept this. Including my senators and congressmen. That the majority of them believe this is just fine. Again, these are the elites who believe watching you is important. And we have very few people standing up and saying there's something wrong with this. And I'm blown away. And most of the populace don't seem bothered by it. That's a real, real problem for us because it's only going to get worse. All right, we're going to take a break. It's 6-6-4-7-2-5-7-8-8 is our call number if you want to be part of the program. My name is Luz Katigna. You're listening to Financial Physician right here on the Variety Channel, voiceamerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Gatigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, we're talking about the surveillance state. I know I'm a little off topic. You know, it's a financial show, and we do talk money on this program. But you know, I'm just so outraged at what I'm seeing happen. You know, and uh, talking to my producer at the break, and you know, he, he was saying the same thing: is that you know we're we're moving towards a surveillance state that uh, you know mirrors 1984, the book. And if you haven't read the book, you have to read it. Go out and get it. Go on Amazon.com. I think it's 11 bucks or something like that. Should be part of your library. Great summer reading. And I'm telling you, you will recognize 2013 America uh, in that very prescient book. And it just seems that they just keep going, trying to do more, trying to take more, trying to be more of a police state. We've heard the stories. Homeland Security has bought over a billion bullets. What for? Do we have a billion terrorists coming over our border that Homeland Security needs a billion bullets? And that still has not been explained, at least not to my satisfaction. And some in Congress are really starting to find out, you know, what, what's this all about? Is this to be used against the people of America or the enemies of America? Well, maybe the people of America are the enemies of the political class in power now. Who knows? Why is Homeland Security buying over a thousand armored vehicles? For what? It's Homeland Security. It's nowhere else. We're going to have thousands of armored vehicles manned by law enforcement in America? For what? Why, why do we need that? These are questions that really need to be answered as we move closer and closer to a total totalitarian police state and surveillance state. This out of New Jersey, my home state. Police officers across New Jersey could be saying um, to a motorist, license registration and cell phone, please. At the scenes of uh, car crashes, if new legislation uh, in the state Senate becomes law, the measure would allow cops, without a warrant, to thumb through a cell phone to determine if the driver was talking or texting when the accident occurred. Now, the law requires officers to have reasonable grounds, quote-unquote, to believe the law was broken. Now, supporters are saying it could be an important tool for cops investigating crashes, where a distracted uh, driver causes uh, accidents because he was doing something with his handheld phone, which is illegal. And opponents say it could touch off a contentious legal debate over whether giving officers such access violates a motorist's right to privacy or protections against unreasonable search and seizure. Now, I could understand. I mean, from a practical standpoint, if there's an accident, there's no way unless the, uh, the police witness the guy on the phone when it happens to know whether or not this guy was distracted or was on the phone. The only way to know that uh, is to look at the cell phone and see if a phone or a text was placed. But get a warrant. 
guy has an accident, get a warrant, and then look at it. But just to take it from him at the scene of an accident, to look through it, who he called, you know, whatnot. I mean, that crosses the line. It's um, a fine line, you know, between enforcing the law, catching criminals, protecting us from terrorists, and taking away our liberties. And Americans have to decide, you know, where is the line drawn? How how much are you willing to give up for what you uh, believe is protection? Now, the measure is troubling to the American Civil Liberties Union of New Jersey, which said it's likely susceptible to constitutional challenge. Quote, this bill is problematic because it infringes on the privacy rights of citizens. Our state and federal constitutions generally require probable cause before authorizing a search, particularly when it comes to areas that contain highly personal information, such as cell phones. Steve Corellis, New Jersey representative of the National Motorist Association, said he doubts the bill would solve any problems and whether it would be implemented fairly. Here's the bottom line. If you went all through the, what the bill is supposedly allowing, you still can't determine if the person with the phone actually had a distraction that contributed to the crash. And the bill is problematic because it infringes on the privacy rights of citizens. Now, of course, the bill has the support of police officers. And that's the thing, too. Police officers and, and law enforcement officials, they all love this stuff. I mean, and I understand why. Because it makes it easy for them. They don't have to go get a warrant. Now, they could ask you, are you on a cell phone? And you could tell them yes or no. And then if they want, they can, uh, you know, subpoena you the phone records. They don't need your phone. The government already has all your phone records anyway. So it shouldn't be difficult to get it. And it looks like uh, ultimately what will probably happen is the Supreme Court will have to weigh on this issue. And some are saying, well, all the Fourth Amendment requires is a probable cause. So, I mean, there's an accident there. There's a cell phone in their car. Uh, you know, there's probable cause there. I mean, look at the phone. And some are saying it's no different than um, uh, an open bottle of liquor in a car and you know, giving a guy uh, an alcohol test. But it's not. And again, where does it end? That's the question. Where does it end? Uh, shifting gears here, economics, what's going on in the country. Uh, we talked about what's happening with our freedoms, which is a, a crisis in of itself. But the crisis is economic in America. You know, We really are not making any progress economically. We've been stagnated in what I still believe is a recession uh, since 2008. And more and more people are living in poverty. Almost half of Americans have no assets. That was in 2009. And that's from the Economic Policy Institute data. That, uh, you know, this guy, this is what got uh, Mitt Romney in trouble. The 40%, the alleged takers have, you know, uh, but half the people in the country have no money. It's that simple. Have no assets. Now, there's reasons for that. In many cases, uh, the reasons is because of mismanagement of their financial life. And I deal with that uh, extensively in the book, The Financial Physician. How to cure your money problems, boost your financial health. How irresponsible we've become financially. How we have a sense of material entitlement, which means we believe we deserve to live rich, whether or not we have the money or not. And then we buy brand new cars that we can't afford. We buy big houses, which we ultimately can't afford. 
and we get foreclosed on. We know what happened with that. We don't save any money for the future. And ultimately, we have our handout to Big Brother to help us. And, you know, since 2009, it's even got worse. More than half the people don't have any assets. And we've seen a 30-year decline in wages, real wages, after inflation. And that's worse since uh, the crisis started in 2008. And we see a lot of low-wage jobs uh, replacing formerly uh, secure middle-income positions with benefits. They're gone. Those jobs are gone. A select few have them. If you're not a government worker or in a union, it's very difficult to find a, a job that has real income and real benefits. And a pension. Pensions are gone in America unless you work for government. Or unions. The 401k has replaced the pension. It's your responsibility to save for your retirement. But not enough people are doing it. The IRS reports that the, the highest wage in the bottom half of earners is about $34,000. So if you make uh, under $34,000 or half the people working earn less than $34,000 in America. And to be eligible for food assistance, uh, a family can earn up to 130% of the federal poverty line. And that's about 30000 for a family of four. So that's why many Americans are now on food stamps. Because half of America earns less than $34,000 a year. And even the Census Bureau recognizes that its own figures underrepresent the number of people in poverty. Based on uh, household expense totals, poverty is creeping into the top half of America. A family in the top half making 60000 per year will have their income reduced by a total tax bill of about 15000 between federal um, and state taxes and FICA taxes and local taxes. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Census Bureau agree that food, housing, and transportation expenses will deduct another 30000 And that total household expenditures will be about $50,000. And that leaves nothing. Nothing that is except debt. The median debt level rose to 75600 in 2009. So we see the rich are getting richer. They're having no problems. Their investments are going up. Their stock market's going up. They're doing well. But half of America is in poverty. And that is not, is not where America should be. And there's nothing going on. There's, there's nothing happening uh, where uh, this is going to change anytime soon. There's no policies that are being implemented to rise up that bottom 50%. As a matter of fact, I would venture to say that the, the policies of, of government now uh, is pushing more and more people into that dependency category. And that's when the country's in trouble. And I knew it when, when, when Obama won re-election, which I didn't think he was going to. I was pretty, pretty convinced that Romney was going to win. And when he lost, uh, I got to tell you, it was devastating to me. It was devastating to me because I realized that we have a country now uh, that is dependent on government for their needs. We no longer have a country where people have incentive to go out and, and make a fortune for themselves, make a way for themselves without the assistance of government, without the assistance of Big Brother, to allude back to 1984 where we are right now.
That's America in 2013. $17 trillion in debt. Worst housing market we've ever seen. Horrible employment market. The unemployment rate, high. But even those who are employed are underemployed. And this, again, don't earn very much. And it's getting worse. The country's got a trillion dollars in budget deficits and $17 trillion in debt that it will continue to grow. And as we enter um, the police state, the surveillance state, the totalitarian state, we're doing it as more and more people are becoming poor. And that combination is a lethal combination for our country. All right, one more segment left in the program. Phone number 866-472-5788. My name is Luz Gatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average American has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back. This is the Financial Physician Radio Program. Lou Skatigna, we get together every Monday, 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 p.m. on the West Coast, and always archived here on voiceamerica.com and my website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit my blog each and every day, and um, we have a lot of good stuff on the website. We have the, the daily blog. We have... Um, uh, all the archived radio programs, and uh, we even have a link to my my television pilot that we're out there marketing. Uh, give it a, a shot at thefinancialphysician.com. My email address is simply Lou L O U 
at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, as a certified financial planner uh, and, and financial advisor for the past, geez, almost 30 years now, one of the things that I've always seen people really make mistakes or, or really neglect uh, is estate planning. And it's something you think that everybody would take care of. Everybody would have a will and they'd have all their stuff set up. And it's not the case. Many people just have not done it. And it's so important to uh, to get this stuff done. Now, nobody likes to come to grips with his or her mortality or their death. Nobody wants to do that. And that's one of the reasons why I think people do avoid estate planning. And by avoiding it, though, they're going to saddle their loved ones with just overwhelming, an overwhelming task of sorting everything out afterwards. And you don't want to do it. So the most important thing, let's talk about the first thing in estate planning. That's a will. Everybody should have a will. If you die without a will, what you own may not go to those who you want to receive it. Very simple. That's what the will is all about, is to tell the world uh, that you want this to go to this person, this money to go to that person, and so forth. And when you leave no legally binding directions on how your property should be divided, the government will step in and do it for you. It'll decide where your property will go, which may not be where you want it to. And if you, if you die without a will, you're going to put your survivors through a lot of needless paperwork and costs. And if you leave no instructions on how you want your assets distributed, uh, your survivors may be required to uh, post bonds, go to court, and cut through miles of sticky red tape. End up spending more time with lawyers than with their families. Not know how to uh, who to give particular items to, and they're going to get into ugly battles with each other because you have no will. This happened with my own mother-in-law, believe it or not. My mother-in-law did have a will. She had made a will out. <clears throat> she got ill. She had cancer. She died about a year and a half ago. We couldn't find it. We couldn't find it. She wanted me to be the executor of her will. And uh, we couldn't find a will. And that's another thing. If you have a will, nobody knows where it is. What good is it? Make sure people know where it is. So what I had to do is I had to go through the court system here in Ocean County, New Jersey, and uh, become the administrator, go through a lot of paperwork and so forth, put up a bond. And finally, I was the administrator of the state. This could have been much easier if we just had the will. Now, many young people don't believe they need estate planning at all. They're in their 20s, they're young, they don't have a whole lot in the way of assets, they feel immortal, they think they have plenty of time to get their estates in order, and, and they, they, they believe they just don't own anything or enough to begin planning. However, parents who have children definitely need estate planning. Here's why. In your will, a parent will name guardians for their children. The people they want to step in should anything happen to them. If those parents die without leaving a will, the state will decide who would serve as the child's guardian. Do you want the state to decide who's going to take care of your kids? They could appoint you know, your grumpy uncle, your Uncle Gus, who has the best qualifications on paper, but who your kids hate. And if, children, uh, if parents have children with special needs, uh, writing a will that designates who will serve as their guardian is especially important. So you need to have a will. If you're 20-something years old, you need to have a will, especially if you have children. Now you say, well, if something happened to me, my wife would take it. Yes, but what if there's a simultaneous death? 
What if you get in a car crash? Both of you together, you both pass. It's happened. It happens. It does happen. So you want to do a will. And it doesn't have to be extensive. You could do many of these you could do just on, you can go online and get a template and do this. Or you can go get a program at Staples where you could do your own will. And just be aware that the will is not uh, an end-all here because a lot of assets are distributed around the will. Say you have an IRA account or a pension. There you'll name a beneficiary. And the beneficiary will receive that asset regardless of what your will says. An insurance policy. You name a beneficiary. That has nothing to do with your will. If you own property jointly, Say you have a bank account with uh, your name on it and your child's names on it, for convenience sake. Well, when you die, that money becomes the survivor, the child's money. So you may have an account with a couple hundred thousand dollars in it. You put your son's name on it because you're feeling ill and you know, you're going downhill and you want the convenience that he could pay your bills. But your will says that my assets are distributed equally amongst my three children. Uh-uh. The will is useless here because due to rights of survivorship issues, the son will inherit the $200,000 bypassing the will. And this is a mistake that a lot of people make. Oh, I just put my, my child's name on my account. And one significant, significant example, I'll never forget this one, is that uh, new clients come to see me, husband and wife. The wife said my mom recently died and me and my brother are going to inherit her money. Well, what is her money? Her money was a $900,000 brokerage account at Merrill Lynch. And a paid-off house that she owned. Well, the year before, the mother had the daughter's name put on both the house and the $900,000 brokerage account for convenience measures. But meanwhile, Will said that the, uh, the son and daughter uh, share equally in the estate. Well, I told her, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but according to the way these things are titled, this bypasses the will, and uh, by law, you're the inheritor of all these assets. And your brother has been disinherited by your mother, unknowingly. Well, the girl's husband almost fell off the chair, uh, and uh, as it turns out, she apparently did the right thing and, and shared the, uh, uh, the estate with her brother. But, now you run into all kinds of gift tax issues and all kinds of things because she's gifting her brother the money now. Okay, so there's a lot of issues here uh, that you have to do with state planning. Living will is also another part of it. You know, you go into a hospital, you the living will will tell the hospital, the doctors, what you want done. And in many places, many states, they will keep you alive no matter what unless you have that living will or health care directive or whatever it's called in your state. And on that living will, you name a health care power of attorney, someone who will make those decisions for you. Very, very important that you do that. And the last thing in a will usually is um, a power of attorney. And that's really important if you're getting old and you can't handle your financial affairs. You would name somebody to be your power of attorney who could act as you, pay bills, sign tax returns, liquidate assets, do checking and so forth. But just be very careful who you give that power of attorney to because that person could basically write checks to themselves and do anything they want with your estate. And that's... Um, that's why it's very, very important that you do it. And also, when you will, you got to name an executor, someone who's going to take care of liquidating your estate. First of all, being an executor is no fun, uh, and it's not a great thing to be named an executor. As a matter of fact, it's a horrible thing to have all that responsibility and deal with um, cranky uh, brothers and sisters and other people who want their money. 
but name somebody who's the most competent to do it and don't name more than one person. Have one person do it, somebody who's competent to do it. All right, it's the end of our hour. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in Financial Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week, and please join me next Monday and every Monday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.